Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Good. Doing great. Good, Shauna? Good. Good, yeah, mm-hmm. good. Ready to move forward? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. I noticed in that in that track, the opening, you forgot to say local church. Did I? Mm-hmm. Mm. Agree to disagree. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jeremy, how are you, I man? Love you, I'm doing great. Good. It's good, good to be here. Yeah, it, it is good to have all three of us uh, in the studio again. This particular podcast, we're going to be uh, going through parenting. Uh, we want to, uh, in parenting, use uh, one of Paul Tripp's books, uh, Parenting 14 Gospel Principles. And we wanted to take those principles and basically speak to them uh, in a context where uh, we can speak to the counselors who are having to uh, go through um, parental type sessions with parents who are struggling with their kids and things like that. And then just kind of speak to these in general uh, from just the the local church context as well. So we're going to jump right into that. We're going to focus on the first five. And again, this is from, uh, these principles are directly from Paul Tripp's book, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. I'm excited about this. Yeah. Yeah. He's obviously clearly becoming one of our favorite authors. We, we, uh, we kind of favoritism or favorite, we have favoritism towards him. Is that the right way to say that? Yeah. And I'm, yep. I'm going to leave that in the podcast. Okay. Yeah. Why do you have to say that you're going to leave it in the podcast? Just leave it in there. You know what I mean? You always have to preface what you're doing. I know. That's good. That's good. <laughs> anyway, yes. moving on. Anyway, moving on. So uh, with that, the first principle is calling. And the principle uh, states, nothing is more important in your life than being one of God's tools to form a human soul. Mm. Um, and this this obviously sets the stage for the, the remaining 13 uh, principles, um, you know, calling it just kind of the overarching umbrella of all of this. But um, the text that Paul uses in this book uh, was from uh, really Matthew six nineteen to 34. Um, and I want to want to read that. I'm not going to read all of it, uh, the entire thing, because it would take a little bit. Um, but basically where Jesus talks about, um, you know, really laying up treasures in heaven. Um, so verse 19, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also, uh, we've referenced that verse in this podcast before, uh, but in the context of parenting and the overarching again, calling and what Paul is bringing to light with that particular scripture verse is where, where our treasure is, that's where idolatry is. That's where our struggle is. That's where, uh, all the stall points and parenting and, and even in the marriage can be as we wrestle with the things of this world. So kind of getting into this idea of looking at, you know, the gifts that God has given us, like our children, for example, and then realizing that they're a gift. They're not our treasure, right? The, what Jesus is, is pressing into there is, uh, just where, where the heart is the, obviously that's where your treasure is. And so just helping us realize right out of the gate and what he's doing in this chapter is bringing to light just the reality of our calling as parents with our children, that we're to steward the, 
the parental mode as a gift versus making them our treasure. And, uh, and then also, um, again, like he said, um, being a tool to form this or shepherd, uh, the heart of this child and, and realizing that they're no different than we are in terms of the same things that we're going to be trying to parenting them through is essentially the very things that we've struggled with our entire lives. So just a, just as a quick introduction to uh, the, the first principle and kind of setting the stage for the remainder of the principles. Any thoughts on that, guys, on that first principle? Yeah, I think understanding our calling helps uh, situate us in the bigger story. Remembering, and I think this may be from one of his other books or his brother's books, Shepherding a Child's Heart. Yeah. Just remembering that these children are God's children. These children belong to the Lord. And we're simply here to shepherd their hearts. And uh, if you read on down in that um, chapter in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus reminds us that ultimately an issue of worship. Yeah. Uh, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And while specifically there he, he references God and money, uh, when we're parenting and we're remembering our calling, we've got to remember or or often ask the question while we are instructing our kids or disciplining our kids, uh, what is the treasure of my heart? What am I allowing? What agenda is mastering my heart in the moment? And as I'm interacting on a horizontal level with my children, uh, Jesus points out here that uh, if I mastered by the wrong thing, I could actually be committing cosmic war against God. Right. Uh, he uses very strong language that, uh, that we, that's an act of despising God and even hating him. And so as a parent, I want to be very cognizant of that uh, and make sure that um, my heart is, is humbly submitting to the, the agenda that God has put, put forth in his word. No, that's good. Well, I mean, I, I just think that what you guys just said is, is really good. It, it kind of hits the nail on, on what, as being speak is spoken to in that particular principle, you know, I think understanding this and, and reminding the why behind what we do is where that practical piece comes in. And how Jeremy was saying is how, you know, how we're responding as a parent or in the counseling room, how we're encouraging another parent to respond to their children is remembering that why, you know, that God has, has given us this assignment, um, you know, God's tools to form the human soul, right? Or another, another way is, is assignment from God to impart his values and truth into their lives. And so now it's so much more than this worldly situation, but how do I instruct in a way that speaks that in this moment? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's good. I think that's why that's an important principle for all of us to remember. Yeah, that's good. And, and just to kind of bring this into a counseling setting, uh, for our counselors, um, realizing when we have parents in our uh, in our offices that are struggling with wherever their kids may be and we'll obviously get to some of these uh, these secondary and tertiary principles that are really coming out of the reality of our calling and so to our to, to our to our counselors just realizing that when those parents are in our rooms like our our goal is to help center them in the gospel reality the very gospel that they're being transformed into is the very gospel that they need to be demonstrating before their kids and and doing that so that's really good and so the second principle uh, is grace God never calls you to a task without giving you what you need to do it. He never sends you with go he never sends you with going with you. He never sends you without going with you. 
That should be without as a typo. Yeah, that's all right. That's <laughs> you all right. didn't catch that earlier? Uh, that's why I shouldn't have jumped the gun to read it because then I'm the one who messed up. Hey, we, we get to laugh at your expense, right? That's what you say. No, but thank, but thank <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, but thank you for this, this principle, because how awesome is that? Just to know that I think this is when, when we get exhausted as a parent and when you're in the counseling room and you're, you're feeling that not only maybe from the kid, but just the parent in general is, I think this is a, a sign as a counselor to realize that the parent's probably trying to do it in their own strength. You know, they're trying to figure it out on their own, respond on their own. It's it's all about kind of how they see it. And sometimes before we discipline or give instruction to our children, we really should go to sit before the Lord and really settle our heart in a way that we're clear before we really communicate and walk that out with our kids. Mm. Right? Very good. Yeah, that is good. And actually, I want to I read some scripture on this one as well. Um, because, I mean, th- this... This is the heart of the gospel is grace, right? Uh, for we've been saved by grace through faith. And so uh, to, to your point, Sean, I think that's something that oftentimes as, as parents and while we're parenting, we often forget is the work that's within us. And that's really what Ephesians actually, uh, Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 to 21 is really capturing. And I actually want to read all of this because I think it provides the necessary context to really kind of capture what we're trying to press into here. Um For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, parent, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul says in verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That is a huge exhortation of truth, uh, in, in, in the reality of the grace that's at work within us that, uh, and to, to Paul's point here in his principle that this is the means that's in us to help produce and accomplish the grace that's been afforded to us to actually give to our kids, Mm. you know? Uh, So that's a beautiful thing. Any other thoughts on that guys? Yeah. So, uh, just very quickly, um, that first principle on calling is, is answering the question, why as a parent? So yeah. in, in other words, if, a, if someone comes in to me, if parents are coming to me wanting to, some guidance on what to do with their children, um, if they're wanting to see a certain behavior extinguished from a child's life or something developed in their yeah. personality, uh, a great question to ask is why? Right. Uh, what's your why to wanting that behavior to change or to improve? Um, and we, we want to point them back to their calling. Um, the why is um, that we want to shape this child's heart to conform to the ways of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, that second piece on grace is the how. Yeah. Um, how how are we going to make this change, or how are we going to parent well? And it's I think it's a beautiful thing here mm-hmm. that the ultimate how points to something outside of us, the grace of God. Yeah. 
I love Titus 2.11. I use this often when I'm training interns because when they come into the counseling situation, they feel overwhelmed. They feel ill-equipped. Often new parents especially feel overwhelmed and ill-equipped. Or if there's a chronic issue with a teenager, they feel overwhelmed and ill-equipped. But I always tell uh, parents and counselors, uh, this is our bottom line. At the end of the day, this is where we have to land and rest as far as hope is concerned. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And especially if our children are uh, believers um, or we're raising them in, in a home of believers, we can we can stand on this reality that uh, God's grace is more committed to their transformation and their good than we will ever be as parents. Yeah, and even good. even if we don't see, even we may not see a cause and effect kind of parenting, which parents often want. You know, let me, let me, let me implement this particular parenting style and get this particular behavior in this particular amount of time. That's not the way it always works. And part of parenting, when we're not seeing behavior change or when we're not seeing what we would like to see in our children, is leaning back again on the grace of God knowing that God's grace is more committed than we, and also we have to trust his timing. We have to trust his timetable. And and so parenting ultimately reveals our hearts yeah. where we want to be in control and we want it to be on our timetable and our agenda. And what's good about what you were saying in that from Titus is the training, because yes. training and parenting are synonymous with that's one exactly another, because right. that's essentially what we're, that's the ought in parenting, right? Mm-hmm. That we're training our kids. It's not that we're training them into the best kids that we want to fashion them into. It's training them through the gospel means into the image of Christ. Yes. Therefore, the training, we're stewarding that training. It's not our training. So the regiment should come from scripture, not our desires of what we want our kids to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's good. All right, the third one. Yeah, law. Jeremy, you want to read that one? Your children need God's law, but you cannot ask the law to do what only grace can accomplish. Man, <laughs> that kind of goes back to the training piece. Yes. Right? Um, and the law, we, we all need God, God's law. And this kind of goes back to, again, the calling and the reality of the calling is that just, just like uh, we need God's law as children of God ourselves, um, we're being trained by it. It's, it, it becomes our mirror to, to ensure and make sure like, Oh, this is what I need to be doing. But mm-hmm. here's the difference is I actually have a heart for God's law. Mm-hmm. So it's helping our kids realize that the, the law, we need the law. And as your parent and training you, I'm, I'm demonstrating the reality of the law, but this isn't for the point isn't for behavior modification. That's the right. law isn't to yoke you into something that you can't fulfill. It's to demonstrate the reality and need for grace in your Mm -hmm. life. Yes. And that's kind of what, you know, what obviously trip is, uh, is pressing into here on the, you know, only grace can accomplish the law can accomplish that. Like, you know, showing your kid a cut on their face in the mirror, the mirror doesn't produce the action to fix the cut. It just reveals it. And that's what the law does. It just reveals. It's good. So, and what I often see in counseling is especially within the Christian community is that parents tend to be conditioned to function by law. Here are the rules and here are the consequences, period. Mm -hmm. Um, And often one of the most powerful parenting moments uh, that you can uh, provide for your children in modeling what we say we believe in the gospel is when they completely break the rule. Um, So, for example, uh, 
I had one of my children at school got into some trouble uh, a few years back and school was, it, it was elementary school. So it wasn't like a major thing, but it was something that kind of surprised me that yeah. uh, he did at school. And um, he was terrified when he came home because they made a big deal of it at school. So they notified us and he thought, man, I'm in, I'm, I'm doomed. So the law exposed it to where he was feeling like way guilt. He was feeling guilt. guilt. He shame. was in tears yeah. and we had a talk and, and he was very repentant. He was very regretful. And I just remember, uh, he, he was asking me how he was going to be punished. And I said, well, son, you know what? Um, you do deserve to be grounded. You deserve to not play Xbox for a long time. There are a lot of things right <laughs> yeah. now that you deserve, yeah. Yeah. but I want to take this moment to uh, extend to you what Christ extends to me every day of my life. And so there's not going to be a consequence because I believe that you've learned what you needed to learn. And I trust that uh, God's grace will speak deeply to your heart. And he tells me to this day, I mean, he's in college now. That was hugely instrumental. He tells me to this day, that was a, that was a pivotal moment for him to understand in a tangible way what the grace of God was. Cause he thought the fires of heaven were about to come down on him. <laughs> No, that's, that's good. That, that, that comes from a parent who obviously has to have their own spiritual disciplines and love from the Lord, that humility that you realize that it's God's grace that you're receiving, that you then were able to Mm -hmm. extend to your kids. Mm -hmm. So I think that that reminds us as a counselor to be able to make sure that we're communicating that to the parent of realizing you're not able to really walk that out unless where are you at with the Lord? Right. Mm. So, um, so I love that. That's really good. Yeah, that is good. And then it actually kind of leads us to the fourth principle, which is inability. And uh, it's recognizing what you are unable to do is essential to good parenting. And that's, I mean, we were really kind of, you know, alluding to that as we were responding to these previous principles, but more specifically with this principle in using power to try to change, right? Trying to exert through why, through way of power or fear, authority, uh, to, I'm going to get the desired result out of you by exerting power over you or fear, uh, and then getting into, and again, this is what produces kind of those behavioral modifications where, um, you know, I've seen this, um, and granted, we all kind of struggle with it. We're like, what's appropriate behavior in this context versus this context, mm. you know? And like, you know, I can't believe my child did that. Well, how are you demonstrating the inability? Like mm. you're trying to produce something in there. Technically, you don't have the power to produce. We don't have the power to change our kids. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and and at the end of the day, and that's kind of what, what uh, Trip is getting into with this, with this principle is our literally our inability to produce the change, the desired result that we want by using power tools is kind of what he uses in the book mm. play on words. There power tools of fear, reward, shame, yep. uh, guilt, um, all of those, uh, those pieces that those power tools become very manipulated, you know, manipulative tools to produce or coerce the behavior of our kids. And that's just, that's not God honoring first and foremost. And it's certainly not, uh, it's not gospel centered in any way, shape or form. No. And the statement you just made, I can't believe my child did that. I hear that all the time in counseling. And and if you're counseling people, or if you're a parent, uh, if you hear that comment, what you just heard is an individual who does not understand a theological perspective of the human heart. Right. To ever say, I can't believe my child did that. And I understand we all want our children to be perfect. Um, but I, I can expect my child to do anything. 
in terms of the deception of the heart and the deceitfulness of the heart and the pull of the flesh. Um, and as a parent, if I make that statement, I'm probably, I could be very disingenuous about my own heart. Um, because I know for me, I can do things that I can't believe I, I did. So that, that's a sad comment when I hear that come out of a parent and I want to take opportunity to, to help them in a very gentle and kind way, rethink how they view their kiddos. Um, and then, uh, on this whole thing of inability in, in my book, I use the term learned helplessness that part of the journey of counseling, part of the journey of parenting, is we are exposed to this reality of, of, of helplessness over being able to change a human heart. And so it's a learned helplessness and a learned dependency on the power of the Holy Spirit and to, to situate ourselves in that process in our proper place, which we're just an instrument and we're completely dependent on God for change. And that actually leads us into... Well, really quick, though, I want to just kind of mention here when I initially read this, you know, recognizing that you are unable to, what you're unable to do is essentially, is essential to good parenting. You know, one of the things I I actually do from a counseling perspective, like as an assignment that I will give someone, um, whether it's from a parenting perspective or even from a marriage context, is I'll use two terms called what, what is it for us to care for and what's a concern that you then have to kind of live out principle number two, which is that grace kind of saying that, you know, God never calls you to a task without giving you what you need and then knowing that he's there. So the concern part is really the things where, you know, I can, I, I can care for, I can care for Dustin and Jackson, which are the names of our children in a way that I teach them not to do drugs, right? I can care for them mm-hmm. in, in the way I communicate, that I pray for them. These are the things that I can care for. But really it's the concern portion is their decisions. I can't control what they actually end up walking out. Mm-hmm. And so the concern part comes from the the recognizing that this is not a, like I don't need to be making decisions and communicating in a way that I have that power to control that. And so that's that part where when I write anything under what's the concern, which is technically what they end up deciding their decisions of my children or the decisions of my husband, those types of things. I, that's where I then go into that grace factor of, of trusting the Lord and knowing that that's not for me to care for. I need to be concerned about, I need to specifically be praying for it, but that's where I get to believe and live out God's knowing God's incommunicable attributes, if that makes sense. And so that's always been a healthy thing, not only in my own life, but I think it's been productive in those that I've counseled. And so that might be a tip for someone out there um, that could maybe utilize that. So it's great. Yeah, and then leading into that, which kind of yeah comes out of that, which is identity. And the principle is, if you are not resting as a parent in your identity in Christ, you will look for identity in your children. And that's kind of it. And that really kind of even goes back to the calling piece. And Matthew chapter 6, um, looking at our treasure, where Christ is our treasure. Uh, and then, you know, that whole chapter ends with, um, you know, seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness and then all these other things. Well, all these other things, including your kids, uh, your home, whatever we value in life, um, just realizing those are gifts from above. Well, I, th- I think how this plays out is where I'm in a room where a parent is just distraught because they 
believe that, you know, if their kid's a straight A student and the next president, then they've done a great job as a parent. And then if all of a sudden, you know, your their kid becomes a drug addict and they're struggling with those types of things, then they must or they're not a believer, they're an atheist, they don't believe in God and they're wrestling with that, then what did I do wrong as a parent? And so they're literally evaluating and determining their identity or how well they lived this out based off of the performance or actions of their children. And so this is obviously an area that I love that's a principle for us to consider because it's, you know, my part is, did I faithfully walk with the Lord in the assignments that he gave me today? Again, remembering that I'm held accountable to what's for me to care. And then the concern part that I mentioned earlier is realizing that, you know, the Lord is, I have to trust with the work of what the Lord is doing. If my kid did become that straight A student, that's not based off of my parenting. That's really what the Lord is, again, still in a part of, right? You know, and so I don't know, have y'all ever kind of gotten those, like, do you think of it in that way as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get that because that's, that's what happens is, you know, I, I've seen parents who they may feel defeated in their marriage, you know, a husband and a wife, but man, I'll tell you what, you know, a, a father or uh, a mother will all of a sudden just start living vicariously through their kids and seeing, mm-hmm. feeling good about themselves because man, look at what my kids are doing, right. or, you know, cause I've spent three hours with them helping do homework and all these other things that it's, it's all about what they're producing in their kids and their identity is found. And that's really kind of the, the street level reality of what it means to find identity. So I think kids. as a counselor and just the encouragement that I would encourage the pastors and the people in the local churches is, is to try to help people regain that principle of of their identity being in Christ. I mean, it's also it's it's so interesting to me how when someone sins against us, we're even suffering from the sin of someone else that instead of focusing on what that is, it turns into this, what did I do wrong? Mm. So all of a sudden the one that's being offended is all of a sudden wrestling with what could I have done different? What could I have done better? And their thoughts kind of go out of realizing that no, there, there's a confidence and a rest that you can have in your identity in Christ. If we weren't ma- then starting to go self-focused and how this has hurt me, but more so enter into that sin to make war on the sin in itself with our spouse or with our children, we, we, we could walk through that a lot differently. And so for, for this particular principle, I think my encouragement would be to those that we counsel or that we disciple within the local church is to um, not get too stuck on that, like help them redirect their thoughts back to obviously who Christ is. That's one of the most important things I always do in the counseling room is to say, Hey, how can we go back to, to Jesus and, and what he's done for us? And what does that mean for, for us as far as our identity? No, that's him. good. That is good. And with that, we are going to uh, go ahead and stop with uh, the fifth principle identity. And we'll pick it up in the next podcast, the next episode, uh, starting with process. Thank you.